I think what happens a lot in government, uh, I'm more like the skeptic because I think a lot people take the less risky road. Um, and it just means and it might not be a risk, but no one, no one even looks at it or engages with it. So if you did something that wasn't risky and no one even looked at it, you know, what was the point? Uh, I don't think it's, <laughs> I don't think it's successful communication. It might be good internally. You might be happy internally that nothing went wrong and you didn't take a risk and people above you are happy. But if you're actually thinking about who you're communicating with and what you did, no one saw and no one interacted with, I don't, I don't think that's worth it. Welcome to the GovComs podcast, bringing you the latest insights and innovations from experts and thought leaders around the globe in government communication. Now, here is your host, David Pembroke. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to GovCommed, the podcast that examines the practice of content communication in government and the public sector. My name's David Pembroke. Thanks for joining me. Today, we welcome Tim Price, who is the new digital content and social media manager at the Federal Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet. Tim Price is a writer who's been creating content and managing digital and social media for over 25 years. He has project managed over 14 major website redevelopments, managed social media accounts for millions of followers, and filmed, edited, and produced hundreds of videos. He is also the co-founder of the Government Digital Leaders Network, or the GDLN. Tim has created viral social media content and worked for universities, emergency services, all levels of government, including a time as the social media manager at the City of Melbourne and the digital media strategy at Ambulance Victoria. And he has also worked for entertainment icons such as Will Smith and DJ Jazzy Jeff. As a writer, Tim has published three novels and four children's books. He loves telling stories and connecting with others in a digital world. And that's why we're very, very excited to bring him onto the podcast today. Tim, welcome to GovComs. Thanks, David. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. It's a, it's a great history, a great uh, preparation for the big job that you've now got at the Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet. But before we talk about that, let's, let's go back some of those 25, you know, maybe 30 years. When did you start to get interested in storytelling? Uh, storytelling from a very young age. I was, I was an avid reader as a child. So I'd go to the, to the library and get out my 10 books every two weeks and go back again and get more books. So I was always reading, which uh, made me interested in stories and writing. So I, I ha- always had that in me. Um, and then I, uh, it was a weird way I, I sort of got into digital in that uh, as the internet first began, I was very interested. Um, my dad was uh, worked at a university, a professor, and he had access to a computer which had the internet, which I thought was amazing. This was in 1995. So I, I was looking at the internet then, and then I started a website in 1996 um, so it was a fan website about will smith will smith and jazzy jeff so that's how i got into digital and um and that fan website back then a lot of people created fan websites became really really popular and then will smith became a big movie star i was getting millions of views and suddenly this thing that i was just a fan of something brand new uh, became my career but it all started from that early time of the internet and just 
being interested in things around the world and be able to create your own content. So that was the that was the genesis. And then when I look back on my career, I was like, well, that's really where it all started. Um, th- back then, there was no such thing as a digital career. There was no such thing as a career in social media. So I sort of travelled the wave of the constantly changing nature of digital and social media and and into government as well yeah i can imagine you know back in 96 with the the dial up that very familiar sound back then (laughs) but listen let's go back even further than that getting going back to those 10 books every two weeks what what was it that drew you to them what was the part of the storytelling that really you know came alive for you what made a great story I, I had a huge imagination, so uh, things that captured my imagination and uh, really spoke to me. And and I love I love like a human connection or an interesting story that draws you in. So I still use that. I I really feel like uh, modern digital communication. It's it's still got the elements of storytelling which have existed for thousands of years. Like humans want to connect with other humans and we connect through stories and so i'm still applying those those sort of core elements and essence in in social media or in modern communication i still think i'm doing that and and that all started from that just love of stories and reading books and and different characters different humans you connect with the the world around us um so that that all sort of was something I was interested in as a child. So when I look back now on my career, I'm like, I'm still doing the stuff that I love doing and and what captured my imagination as a child. Do you think it gets lost in this day and age as we as we pursue perhaps the latest hack that may may work in a particular environment or we look to capitalize on a, a short term meme? Do you think that that consistency and that classical storytelling gets lost in digital in pursuit of the short-term uh, return? It definitely can be. I think I think the thing that's really changed, and especially maybe in the last five or six years, is people's attention span. And so that kind of storytelling becomes harder and harder. Um, you might have had a bit more time previously, even within social media, to get someone's attention and tell a story. And now you've got just no time and people are bombarded with content um, and there's so many things thrown at them and, and people people's attention spans, I think, are getting shorter and shorter. And so unless you, unless you get the attention very early on, you won't get a chance to tell a story. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you can do things to as you said sort of game the system but i don't think it, you're getting you're giving people much value if you do that um, i would much rather um, use those techniques to tell a good story and connect in on some human level with another person so then just take me to then this this period when you you created this sort of uh, fan site that became very popular what did you do that drew attention to the stories that you were creating at the time. Now, I'm sure Will Smith becoming famous, um, same with DJ Jazzy Jeff, that, you know, that, that fame helps to attract the audience. But what were some of the things that you were doing in that earlier period that were giving you success in terms of attracting and building an audience? Yeah, I guess one of the things I did on that website was so I wasn't a graphic designer. I wasn't a coder. I, I, as you know, I'm a content person. I, I like connecting with others. 
So one was building a fan community with all these fans from around the world and really building that up to be very strong. Um, and I was coming from a fan's perspective. So I wasn't giving like the corporate Sony or whatever the studio's version of what was happening relating to Will Smith and Jazzy Jeff. I was giving the, the perspective of a fan and, and other fans connected with that. They were like, oh, that's amazing. Uh, and, and the other stuff, I was really... Uh, trying out some of these new technologies like i started a podcast when i think in 2005 so like everyone has a podcast now but back then it was very it was only really techie people but i had this podcast about will smith i i, was, I had over 300 pages of content um so when will smith and jazzy jeff actually saw the website they were like oh my god tim like we never we never like captured this information in our careers like we so now they could look back on it and and see all the things they'd done and they were amazed that there was all this information about their career and what they'd done but it's still yeah it was still it was it was it was connecting on a level uh that other fans responded to so it was very it was a very sort of young audience sort of teenagers early 20s who were into music and movies um, but all over the world and they sort of came to this one website um, because the official kind of versions of the website really didn't provide any of that stuff. Mm. But interesting, I think you, you use you know, the magic word really community and that opportunity to build community through authentic uh, content that connected clearly uh, not only for you um, with the subject matter, but as you say, these hundreds of thousands of people from from all over the world who were connecting with exactly the same uh, authenticity. They could see that it was a real thing, that there was a passion there. How? What's your advice to people who are going out into this sort of, you know, the broadcast era largely finished, we're now very much into the narrowcast world and you've got to build community. What's your advice to people who are working in government? How, do, how should they go about building community around their particular um, policy or their program, you know, service or regulation that they're dealing with? What's the, what are some of the, the advice that you have about how do you create uh, a community when it's not someone like a Will Smith or a, or a, a Jazzy Jeff? Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's, it's very difficult. It's not an easy thing to do. Um, but I think the core, so the core principles of what you would do still apply in whatever you're doing. So I still use these kind of things, whether it's a Will Smith website or government communications. Um, I think that you mentioned authenticity. I think that kind of authentic communication resonates with people. If it's kind of this sort of off distant sort of government department um, that people can't connect with, it's very hard to build that community. Um, but if you tell personal stories which tell that larger narrative of what is going on, what are the outcomes, what are the things that affect people in their day-to-day -day lives, that's when you create that connection and you can kind of build that community up. Um, I mean, we saw with the pandemic and, and uh, COVID in the health space, um, communities formed uh, around around what was going on in, in that space and, and government communication became very important. And I think there was there were some good examples of of government doing very strong cu communication and trying to get into different various communities and target communities um, because they need that that health information. But I, I would always I'd always be on the side of um, authentic communication 
personal human stories and thinking of the actual community, not thinking of I've got to communicate these key messages for a department, but thinking what what are we what we are doing, how does that relate to the person at home or the person you're communicating with and how will they respond to that? And I think if you just think of things in that lens, it, it really changes your the type of communication you do and will often lead to greater success. Mm. Well, look, there's a, there's, there's a number of things in that answer that you've just given us that I'd like to dive into. And perhaps the first of those is, uh, you know, the risk and vulnerability of, of being authentic uh, in government. What's your experience of that, of people's appetite to to tell those stories? Because to be authentic, you have to tell the good and the bad. And often in a public sector environment, um, risk-averse environment, people don't really want to talk about things when they're not working out so well. Yeah, it's a great challenge for all everyone working in communications in those kind of environments. So I think I've spent my career sort of fighting for things and uh, you, you, you don't get these things through easily. You, you often have to, to fight, one, fight for it and not, not just say, oh, well, this is my opinion, but actually have some evidence to back up um, what you're trying to do. And then when you do do successful communication that, that has more personal stories or is a bit more authentic, using that to give greater confidence to executives and people above. Um, but it's not, it's not an easy thing. Um, and you really, you really need to think about things strategically. You have to think about um, the way you, you do things, the way in, in a high risk environment, it's how you mitigate the risks. So if you can lay all that out, that helps you. Um, but I think, if you are authentic and you tell the full story, you will get a better outcome and you'll get a better, better response. I think what happens a lot in government, I'm more like the skeptic because I think a lot people take the less risky road. Um, and it just means, and it might not be a risk, but no one, no one even looks at it or engages with it. So if you did something that wasn't risky, and no one even looked at it. You know what was the point? Uh, I don't think it's. I don't think it's successful communication. It might be yeah, good I... internally. You might be happy internally that nothing went wrong and you didn't take a risk and people above you are happy. But if you're actually thinking about who you're communicating with and what you did, no one saw and no one interacted with. I don't. I don't think that's worth it. Mm. And I think that. You know, for mine anyway, and my experience working in the public sector, you know, so much of what the public sector does is fantastic. You know, they are solving problems. They are trying to improve communities. They are trying to strengthen and give um, value and benefits to people. So I don't know. I just think that that risk appetite, if there's some way of influencing it, but I think your advice about uh, being strategic, being thoughtful, uh, but also providing the evidence of the impact. And I think from a comms point of view as well, uh, we need to do a better job of explaining to people what we're doing and why we're doing it, but don't just do it once, do it time and time and time again. So as it, it becomes a, we exercise that muscle where we don't just finish you know, whatever we're doing and move on to the next thing, that we take a bit of time to make sure that we let people know about the impacts that have taken place. Yeah, it's it's so important that that's just that point because um, 
you really need to have evidence. I, I spent a lot of my career sort of, sort of driving change and, and driving big change. And I'm very much, I'll take roles where I feel like I can make a difference. I'm very community minded. So emergency services with Ambulance Victoria or, or government or working in health. Um, I, 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 I want to see those outcomes, but it, it's not easy within those environments. They're often very high risk environments. And if you're trying to, um, make change within that the way the way you do things you, you you have to be able to back it up you have to be able to it's not you can't just go in start a role and start doing all these great things that you want to do it's just, that's just not the reality you have to work at it show the evidence show that your ideas are working um and the, the great thing in in digital and social is we have statistics we have analytics we have insights which we can use um and, and that's how you go down that path of, of, of making change within an organisation. And there's also that opportunity, isn't there, around co-creation? Because often in the policy and program areas, they have the subject matter expertise. They know the people. They know the stories. They know where they are. And I think as a comms person, if, we, if you can get up out of your chair and go around and build those relationships and enthuse people with the stories that they're that they're working on because often being as close as they are they don't quite see the magic of what it is that they're working on yeah half the time uh i would say people don't even realize the great stories that that, that could be told or could be t- told on social media so as you said building the relationships pe- with people and informing them of that um will get you the stories um th- i have so many stories in my career um I remember I was working in the city of Melbourne and um, one of the, there's like a, a a team to look after animals and they they'd posted on their personal account a, a video of like a cockatoo riding down an escalator to like a Woolworths and I saw that and I was like oh my god like this is brilliant social media content they didn't even realize it I like send it to us we'll post it on the city of Melbourne's account. And it had like a hundred thousand views, but but they didn't even realize. They just thought that was interesting for themselves. They didn't think that other people might be interested in it. So a lot of the time, it's it's yeah, it's it's working within your organization and finding the the interesting stories is is half the job. Yeah, yeah. So I think you know we often encourage people to get up out of your chair, go out and talk to people because again, you know, comms people, content people, they're connectors, they're, they're joiners. So you know, head out, you know. Two ears, one mouth, and, and see what you can find out. Now, listen, you, you mentioned there another interesting point in that earlier answer around demand for government communications, because over the years, I've often heard people say to me, people don't want to hear from us. They don't really want to know, you know, they don't want to hear from the government. They, you know, they're too busy. They've got other things on, on their mind. But I think, and clearly a global pandemic is a is a uh, unique uh, circumstance that sort of drew attention uh, to government and demand for government. But would you agree that there is demand if indeed that information is packaged in a way that people want to consume in the form they want to consume it, in the channel they want to consume it, at the time they want to consume it? And really it's not so much that there's a lack of interest there's perhaps a lack of thought being put into the way that we package that information. Yeah, that would that would be my theory. Is is that uh, of course people want to hear um, from government, not because they they want sort of these boring government comms that go out, because what government does affects their everyday lives. They they want that communication. They want to see it. 
but if you do it in a way that's not engaging or interesting to them or is it from a very sort of lens of you know you could say um you know we've spent 500 million on this thing and that won't mean something to people but if you tell that story about something that's affecting their daily drive to work or um, the hospital that they visit or something something that affects their lives it, it, of course they want to see that communication so yeah i think um the the the, stru- the problem is a lot of the the government comms is is very um sort of standard stuff that just gets put out um and i think more more thought needs to be put into how you engage um the community with with these messages i think the messages absolutely people want to get but i think it's up us in the the community to understand one the changing nature of of digital and social um and to how how you do get that um engagement with the community Mm. So you mentioned it again in that earlier answer. This, you know, the real challenge of this time and attention deficit. It's massively competitive um, for people, uh, you know, to earn a share of that most valuable asset which they have, which is their time and their attention. And you also mentioned, you know, this, and you've you mentioned it a few times now around this notion of it's it it's got to speak to the people in their lives and in, in, in the lives that they lead. So. What is your advice or when you're working with teams to try to give people or try to encourage them to have that citizen-centred perspective? How do you go about building that into the conversation so people can start this journey from rather than this is what I want to tell them, it starts to become, well, what do they want to hear from us? How, how do you make that happen? I think practically how you make it and, and for people who work across various government departments you really need to get in on the conversation very early. I think if you're sitting in a space where you just get things at the end and they're all approved and all you're doing is putting that message out, it's, it's very hard to change things, at that, change things at that point. Whereas if you're brought in early on, or, or you work to build up those relationships where you get brought in early on a, on a project, you can, you can work on those things at the very start and you, you start to talk about, okay, these are our key messages. This is what we're trying to communicate. But why don't we do it in this way? Is that is it potentially a video? Could we find a, a narrative? Could we find someone who's um, affected by the program? And we could talk to them and we could tell their story. I often find like it's those little stories that can tell the larger narrative. Like if you tell if you tell a story of one person who's affected by the change, people will connect with that person and understand it better. Then just going for a broad, a broad. Oh, this we're doing this, and that's happening. But so I'm always looking um, for that angle that will be interesting to people, and I always find that that often takes a bit of work. So trying to get into those early meetings, those early conversations, is so important. And if you get into those meetings, then then you're having a real impact down the line. Whereas but how do you get in there? How, how do you get in there if you don't you know the there? conversations? Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> well, my, do you just invite yourself? Do you just sort of just yeah. knock on the door and turn up and say hi? A lot of it is building relationships. So like I'd say like when I was at Ambulance Victoria, I probably built, by the time I left, I'd probably built relationships with about 500 people. And, and it's not just, uh, you build relationships, not just talking about work, but just talking to people, connecting with humans. 
talking about their lives, getting to know people. And so that when when I needed someone or when um, I needed to get something done quickly, you'd build that relationship and you were in such a better position from it. And and just from building all those relationships, I um, I would get people who would like actually say, oh, um, so-and-so paramedic said I should contact you, Tim, about this. Or So once you build those relationships, then people are like letting other people know that they should um, get in contact with you. Um, so it's it's not something that just happens overnight. You have to really get in there and do the work and and build up those relationships, and then and then you can kind of start to change things. So like I did a lot of work, uh, sort of work in changing stuff at Ambulance Victoria. One of the best things I ever, I've still got this email. One of the best things I ever got was a paramedic sent me this email when I left. He said, in the ten years, in the ten years I've been here at the organisation, the work you did. In, in, in changing the communications was had the most impact on, on me in my career like it, it made life so much easier on all these things that you did and I was like oh so see it was really hard I worked really hard I had to build up all these relationships I had to go into meetings I had to change things but to see the impact that it actually had on on someone who was providing health care and helping the community I was like oh it was worth it it was so worth it uh, when you get that feedback so how do you sell the value proposition of a, a digital content and social media manager in those types of environments? What's your pitch? <laughs> Hi, my, I'm Tim my, and I'm here to help. Yeah, no. <laughs> it often starts with, um, so, so if you're, what's the key message? Who are you trying to communicate to? And what the, do you want them to get out of it? Just asking those questions often will get you in a better place. Um, and and I I guess I win by being able to assist in that and and get that greater engagement and make those posts perform better and uplift those channels. And so that's what I've generally done. And then once I've got that, then you sort of build that trust. You got that trust with people, and they can see, ah, oh, I took Tim's advice, and look how well my comms has done. Look, look at this report that's got massive engaging compared to the one last year. And and then and then people, once you got that trust, they'll actually come to you and say, well, Tim, how how do you think we should do this one? Or or you know, should we do this a bit differently? Or should we try something here? Um, so it's I I really use uh, I've, I've mentioned it before, but the statistics and the insights and then use them back again to try and inform the content again and make it better. I'm always trying to strive to to make things better, make them more engaging and 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 reach the audience. That's always a challenge. Um, but I, it's, again, it's, it's building those relationships, it's having those conversations it's looking at the outcomes. A lot of, I would say, a lot of the government, a lot of problems with the government comms is there's a lot of work that goes on internally to get something out, and there's a lot of sort of uh, approval processes and all that work goes in, and then the content goes out and there's no real evaluation. So internally it might be successful because you got it out or it went out, but there's not a lot of evaluation on the other side as to well. Did it perform well? Was it successful? Should we do it the same way again? Does it need tweaking? Um, that kind of stuff. So there should be a lot of work on on evaluating your comms as well. 
Yeah. I think that's a good point. And it goes to that, again, finding time for the evaluation, but then, find, as we mentioned before, finding that time for telling the people who you did the work for, just how successful it was and how it might be improved next time around. And just, sorry, just on that point, the one thing I don't, I'm not just talking about stats here either. I'm not like, oh, here's a report and we got stats. It's like, no, it's insights. It's like looking a bit deeper and, and trying to figure out why things did well or didn't and then informing the approach next time. But there's also that benefit, isn't there? Of if you have a, a genuinely engaged community around a particular issue, the, the benefit of being able to find ideas and, and insight that improves policy that improves programs, like it's there. And you know, if you build that community up over time, it can become a massively valuable asset because you're able to ask questions of that community over time um, that give you that information that you need to to improve the outcomes that you're looking for. Yeah, and so a lot of my strategies were, especially in social media, uh, so at City of Melbourne and Amos Victoria, it was, the, it was the content in between the government communications that we had to get out so I did a, I did a, and I was, I was, you know, I was letting people know this is a strategy up above, so it made sense, and it took a lot of explaining, but it was all the content in between that did really well, all that viral content, all that social media stuff. Um, or if it was paramedics doing the Running Man, which would get hundreds of thousands of views, or uh, I did this video about a man who carried a carrot around the city. Um, which got hundreds of thousands of views. People liked it. But all, all that stuff elevated the channels. And then so when you had something really important to say, um, a key message, then they the people got the message because you've got an engaged community, engaged audience that likes your content. And so when you're doing something that is critical, then they're, they're engaged and they're seeing it. So I was always trying to explain this, that it's not just the, the standard government comms, that we have to do every time, but it's that stuff in between, the stuff that might do well on social, the, the lighter posts, those are really valuable because they make the other ones perform even better. Mm. So listen, you are now heading into a, a really big job. Um, you are the digital content and social media manager at the Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet, which is the, you know, the preeminent policy department of the Australian government. You have uh, a government that is very committed to the public service. Uh, you have new leadership in the Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet. Uh, it's a really interesting um, challenge that you have ahead of you. And I mean, Ambulance Victoria, you can see the characters, you can feel the stories, you can see the you know, the, the really interesting um, content there. Uh, certainly, again, the city of Mel Melbourne, like what's not interesting that's going on out on the street? There's so much uh, of a diverse story to tell, but this is policy. This is sort of centre of government. How are you looking at how you're going to take this uh, this area of government and, and, and make it more engaging? Well, yeah, so I still think the principles of what you do... Um, to improve communications should work wherever it is. Um, I remember um, when I did a, a social media presentation about Ambulance Victoria, they were like, well, we're well, not always going to have stories like that that are life and death um, from a local council. And then I went to local council. And I was like, well, I was making 
Stories about uh, collecting rubbish, interesting or engaging. It, it, it doesn't matter what it is. Um, there's there's ways to to find those stories and make them more engaging. So, you know, in in my new role, I'm I'm still looking for those stories. I'm I want to get. It's such a it's such an interesting department. There's this great history of things. So I want to give context to the communication that goes out, not just this is happening now, but you know why is it happening? What's happened before? Um, what's the impact going forward? Um, and still pulling pulling those stories and threads out. That's that's the that's the goal of what I do. So I would say, like for other comms people listening to this. Um, it, it shouldn't matter what area, you're not always going to be working on something that's got obviously very exciting, engaging social media or, or content for digital. But it's your job as a professional to try and find what what's the interesting story elements, what will people connect with, um, is it something that people would share or like? Um, and look at and look at like from the community's perspective. Um, what are they? What are they interested in? And then, and then you can kind of you can kind of evaluate from what you do as well, and that can keep informing you. So yeah, I'm I'm still like in this role. I'm still applying the principles I applied, you know, all the way back when I started on my website 20 years ago. Is trying to build a community, build engagement, connect with other humans. Um, so like the department of PMC, its goal is to help change people's lives in Australia, change Australians' lives. And I think that's just a great, great thing to be working on. So I'm, st I'm still going to be doing exactly what I did in, in other um, organisations and other government departments, um, looking for those stories and engaging the community. That's what I'm going to be doing. Well, good luck with that. I'm not sure there's too many cockatoos um, heading down an escalator in the middle of PM&C, but I am absolutely thrilled to pieces that someone with your uh, background, um, your experience uh, is coming to town you know, or has come to town and is really taking on, you know, one of the big jobs. Uh, you know, in the past sometimes could be criticised for being a bit of a black box and a lot of things go in there, but, you know, we, we don't often see inside the black box, you know, decisions come out. So it's going to be a great um, challenge. And I, I don't know, I'm, I'm a bit optimistic around all of this stuff because I think, um, yeah, there's, there, there's mood for change. And I think COVID in particular has sort of opened up people's eyes to the opportunity of the uh, ability for direct connection, more storytelling, more citizen-centred, more people-focused, human-focused storytelling from government. And I think there is that opportunity. And I certainly, you can see it um, in the senior ministers of the government that's been uh, appointed that they, they they know and understand this. You know, retail politicians know and understand the ability um, and, and the potential of connection with community and going direct. So, uh it's going to be a great uh, opportunity and challenge for you, and uh, we certainly wish you all the best here at GovComs, and thanks so much for, for sharing some of your time with us today. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Thanks. For, I, I would say, yeah, just to anyone working in government across Australia, is um, is that there's always such interesting work going on, and, and as you said, it's like it's like finding those stories. Uh, you'll always find some interesting stories and interesting work and things that affects people um, and it's kind of bringing those stories out and telling them often I would say like there's so much that's untold but um, 
I think if we work to tell those stories, that can only benefit um, Australians. Now, listen, I look forward, I'm going to invite you back in six months' time because I've also got about a half a dozen other questions that I'd like to ask you that I won't jump into now because uh, we generally... Uh, promise the audience that we'll be around half an hour. We've gone a little bit over today and people sometimes get out of sorts when their walks have been interrupted by, hang on, it's not that time this week. You've gone a bit longer. But I'm sure on indulgence, uh, uh, GovCom's audience, you, you'll understand why I kept talking to Tim because he was so engaging. So a big thanks to Tim Price, who is the uh, digital content and social media manager at the Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet here in Canberra and are really going to look forward to see uh, what Tim does uh, in the next little while and also to get him back onto the program to share his thoughts um, once he's got his feet under the desk a little bit more. So a big thanks to Tim Price today and a big thanks to you uh, for coming back once again. The wonderful world of government communications, again, leading professionals like Tim Price uh, working in the public sector, bringing that skill, bringing that knowledge, uh, bringing that attitude um, is just really going to continue to rich, uh, enrich and deepen um, the quality of storytelling because there is no question there are so many good stories that are waiting to be told. The job is to unlock them and get them out. And I think Tim really hit it on the head there. If, if in doubt, head to the people. If in doubt, find where it's impacting and tell that story. And again, Tim, great advice there from Tim. Tell a small story. Tell a little story. Tell a human story. And that's where that connection and engagement will take place. So the GovComs uh, podcast is part of the GovComs podcast network. We also have the GradCast, uh, which is a podcast by APS graduates for APS graduates, and also Work With Purpose, which focuses on the work of the Australian Public Service. So if you'd like to take a listen to either of those podcasts, please jump over to your uh, favourite podcast catcher. Uh, a rating or a review of any of the podcasts also helps us to be found, but we're certainly very grateful for you coming back once again. I'll be back at the same time in two weeks with our next guest on GovComs, but for the moment, it's bye for now. You've been listening to the GovComs podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and subscribe to stay up to date with our latest episodes. 